Good morning. Thank you very much for coming. Um, delighted to see so many of you here. Uh, sounds like the sound's working better this time, right? We got that? Uh, I appreciate the uh, comments I received after my last talk. I, and I really appreciate feedback. So if you could, uh, if you want to help me, if I, in case I ever get asked to give this talk again, uh, tell me what you liked, what you understood, what you didn't understand. That kind of specific feedback would really help me. Uh, and this time I get to thank Father Chris personally for inviting me to speak. So thank you, Father Chris. So the topic is, is Genesis history? Part two. And I'm well aware that this subject is not exactly mainstream in our society. It's a little uh, audacious, uh, raises a few eyebrows. I was um, last year discussing this with my son. And my son, I'm sure like all of your children, is extremely deferential to his father. <laughs> and quite impressed with my intellectual conclusions. So my son immediately stopped me and said, Dad, don't go off the deep end. <laughs> well, sorry, we're going off the deep end here, folks. Hang on. Why are we doing that? Well, first of all, as you probably concluded from if you were here the first time, I think it's all true. Um, but it's not just me, it's thousands of PhD scientists worldwide. And there's lots of evidence, and we're going to talk about that uh, later. I'm the kind of guy who has to follow the evidence. Um, that's why I wrote my book, Counting to God, where I go through um, the evidence as best I could four years ago for the existence of God. I consider my book proves the existence of God, although I didn't at that time look at the evidence for the truth of Genesis. So uh, this book is free. Uh, I've got some copies if you want it. If you want to make a contribution to Father Chris's fund for uh, the local indigent, that's fine, but the book is free. Uh, another reason that we're going off the deep end here this morning is because I think it's fundamental to our faith. So, how are you supposed to believe the back of this book, the back of the Bible? You know, the part of the book where Jesus says he's coming back to get you and me? Salvation, the Christian hope. How are you supposed to believe that part of the book if you think the front of the book is nonsense? Uh, especially when, especially when that same Jesus quotes extensively from the book of Genesis and tells you several times every word in this Bible is true. So uh, the wife of one of my nephews, I've started explaining this, and she quickly cut me off and said, well, it doesn't affect my faith. And I admire that. I admire uh, faith. Um, but faith isn't supposed to be against the evidence. The evidence is there. So I submit to you, for me anyhow, that the intellectual acceptance of the Christian faith, for that, the book of Genesis is critical. So let's go to the uh, next slide, please. Um, what are we talking about here specifically? Well, let's have three points. You've heard that before, right? So we're talking about a, uh, uh, a young earth, less than 10,000 years old. Uh, according to the Septuagint, the first compilation of the Old Testament, 
Adam and Eve were created 7,500 years ago. Adam and Eve, um, second Adam and Eve are um, the great, great, etc., grandparents of the entire human race, every person now living. And also, according to Genesis, there was a global flood about 5,300 uh, years ago, the flood of Noah. So, first I want to review what we did last time. Um, and let's go to the slide, please. Um, so, in our last episode, the uh, Rebel Alliance had just stolen the plans to the Death Star. <laughs> no, just seeing if you're paying attention. So, um, we looked at reasons why people think the Earth is old and the universe is old. And the first reason was everybody says so. And that doesn't work for me, I don't know about you, but uh, everybody thinks, quote, everybody's, you know, this scientists in the university will tell you that the octopus evolved from a clam, uh, which is absolute nonsense. I don't have time to get into that. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, the DNA coding for an octopus with its three hearts, eight legs, and that can taste through its feet is so different from any other creature, scientists have no explanation for it. Uh, the second reason we looked at why people will tell you the uh, Earth is old, next slide please, is because they'll tell you science says so. So we looked at that question and we found that we need to distinguish between experimental science, uh, what we can measure in the laboratory or out in the field, and interpretive science what, um, how we apply science to figure out the best answer to a, prob to a previous question. And for that, we looked at this example of the bathtub filling up uh, at a certain rate, and we saw that if we try to answer what happened in the past, how long the water has been running in the bathtub, we have to make certain assumptions. And this relates to atomic dating. Okay, so when they tell you rocks are millions of years old, they're making assumptions, which uh, we went into last time, that aren't necessarily true. As they assume there's no God, and then they can get answers that contradict the book of Genesis. Uh, it's kind of circular reasoning. Um, but we, when we also looked at atomic dating, we f came up, we looked at dating by carbon-14. Maybe you've heard of carbon dating. And in carbon-14, the certain carbon atoms get zapped in the upper atmosphere. Um, they create, uh, and plants use this carbon. People eat the plants. People breathe in the carbon-14. Uh, but then when the organism dies, it stops having stops getting more carbon-14, and the carbon-14 starts to decay, um, half-life of about uh, less than 6,000 years. And what we find is that the carbon-14 becomes undetectable after about 100,000 years after the organism dies. Scientific fact. Carbon-14 is found in all fossils, coal, and diamonds. It's found at the lowest levels of rock in the Earth. There's no accepted secular explanation for this. They try and excuse it. So we found that atomic dating actually supports a young Earth and contradicts what you are normally told. The next, next thing we looked at was fossils. 
people say, well, the fossil record proves that the Earth is old. And I think that reflects in part a misunderstanding of how you get a fossil. Animals just don't die and become fossils. To get a fossil, you have to have the sudden uh, coverage, the sudden burial to preserve an animal. So here's a fossil of two dinosaurs locked in a death fight, fight to the death, and they were instantly covered. There are fossil burial grounds of dinosaurs and large sharks mixed together. The fossil record indicates, reflects the trauma of Noah's flood and the tsunamis that crushed over the earth. It supports a young earth, not an old earth. Next, we looked at dinosaurs. Can we skip over dinosaurs? Okay, and the uh, people say, well, dinosaurs prove the earth is old. Well, we found that um, there's dinosaurs in the Roman records, there's dinosaurs carved on temple walls, dinosaurs in the Bible. We also found that uh, people are digging up the blood and flesh of dinosaurs. Here's the blood and flesh of a Tyrannosaurus rex. Uh, that supposedly this thing was buried 65 million years ago. Uh, dinosaur fossil digs have the smell of death in them. You can actually smell it. And as I told you last time, I was at um, one place and I was able to touch a fossil and I could feel it was soft. Fossils and dinosaurs did not die off millions of years ago. We also looked at geology. Forgive me, I'm going through this fast. Uh, people think that the layers of the Grand Canyon, do I have these out of place? I'm sorry. Yeah, the Grand Canyon. Thank you. Um, were deposited over hundreds of millions of years. But if you look closely at the Grand Canyon or other slides, you look at how straight those lines are. They're perfectly straight. There's no evidence of millions of years of erosion on those lines. Okay? Um, Absolutely none, and some of those layers cover most of the United States, by the way. They were laid down uh, within months by Noah's flood. The, again, the tsunamis, uh, unimaginable um, waves, unimaginable volcanoes that created our present landscape. Um, we also looked at the, thank you, uh, an ice age was our last topic from last time. How do you get an ice age? There's no secular theory that'll explain how we got ice two miles deep over much of North America. Uh, if the whole earth got cold, you wouldn't have that much snow and ice because you'd run out of evaporation. Uh, to get two miles of ice, you need hot oceans heated by volcanoes all over the earth, and you need the equivalent of nuclear winter, if you heard that phrase, you need the particles from the volcanoes blocking out the sun. So the ice age is strong evidence of Noah's flood. All right, now I'm going to um, move on to new stuff. And first we're going to look at magnetism. Okay, bear with me. I know this is a little technical, but um, magnetism is created by the movement of electrons going in the same direction, so to speak. Uh, I think everybody knows the Earth has a magnetic field, but what you may not know is the Earth's magnetic field is getting weaker all the time. It's losing about half of its energy 
every 1,500 years, which if you, it's like a blink of an eye if, if the Earth is millions of years old. How could that happen? Um, and if you project that going back, that means that um, somewhere around 10, 15,000 years ago, if the Earth was that old at that rate of decay, the magnetic field would have been so strong as to melt things on the surface of the Earth. Now, secular scientists will say, well, there's something in the uh, Earth's core that's somehow regenerating the magnetic field, but they have absolutely no explanation what it could be. You know, I used to think that the Earth's magnetism uh, was caused by the, um, the center of the Earth having an iron core and that iron core being uh, magnetized. But I learned that heat destroys magnetism. There's something um, called the Curry point. At 3,500 degrees, uh, anything becomes so heated and the movement of the electrons becomes so chaotic that it can no longer be magnetized. So the Earth's magnetic field does not come from the uh, center of the Earth. Um, where does it come from? Well, a scientist named uh, Russell Humphreys came up with a theory. His theory is that God aligned all the hydrogen atoms in the universe when he created the universe. And Dr. Humphreys has made predictions based on that theory, the alignment of all hydrogen atoms 7,500 years ago, that for the strength of the magnetic field, not only of the Earth, but also of different planets in the solar system, believe it or not. And here's the astonishing thing. His theory has matched what we found as we've explored the solar system. And folks, that's the gold standard in science, <laughs> okay? There's nothing better in science than having a theory that makes a prediction, and then you go out and you find that the prediction is true. That doesn't happen very often, uh, but Doctor's Russell, Dr. Uh, Humphrey's theory explains that. Um, and he not only, uh, stay on that one, please. Uh, stay on the magnetism, if you could. The, um, the, so the magnetic field probably, was, in the Earth's magnetic field, probably was about 10 times as strong as it is now before Noah's flood, which helped protect human beings from the uh, decay from cosmic radiation we're all subject to. And it resulted in less carbon-14 being formed because there were less zapping of carbon atoms in the upper atmosphere. And this is why carbon dating is off. Um, so you may have read, for example, that the Neanderthals lived and died 35,000 years ago. Well, they get those carbon dating wrong because there wasn't as much carbon-14 back then. Back, the Neanderthals lived about... Um, 5,000, 4,500 years ago. They lived in caves largely because that was during the Ice Age and it was cold in Europe. And while we like to think that um, in our uh, conceit that we have evolved somehow from Neanderthals, the truth is the Neanderthals had bigger brains than we do on average and they had DNA sequences that we're missing. So the bad news folks, we're devolved from Neanderthals. Uh, 
sorry to break it to you. Uh, but the magnetic, Earth's magnetic field is why scientists, and one of many factors why carbon dating that you read about is wrong. Uh, also, um, the, our galaxy has a magnetic field. Why should all the hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy have the uh, movement of electrons aligned? I, uh, I realize you don't spend a lot of time every day thinking about magnetism, but I submit that when you look at this subject, it is uh, a reason to conclude that the Earth is young. And by the way, if you, go to, if you, you want lots more, I'm only going to touch on a few things in these two sessions, you can go to uh, creation.com, search for Age of the Earth, and you will get a list of 101 scientific reasons why the Earth is young. Okay, uh, let's move on to astronomy. So I've been told by my wife, who of course is much smarter than I am, as all of your wives are, I'm sure, gentlemen, uh, that I give you too much detail Less is more, she tells me. So we're going to speed it up here. Maybe we can have some time for questions. So I am not going to talk to you about comets, and I'm not going to tell you that the, uh, as they go around the sun, you see those tails, that stuff coming off the comets. Comets are sort of frozen uh, snowballs, and comets c couldn't have been around for millions of years because they wear off every time they go around uh, the sun. So we're not talking about that. You didn't hear it here. Okay, let's go on to, um, I could actually go through every planet of the solar system and give you scientific facts that show you that that planet is young. For example, if I could talk about moons of Saturn uh, that have shoot uh, spurts of water uh, at supersonic speeds, that kind of geological activity couldn't exist if that moon was a couple billion years old. Uh, the rings of Saturn, um, those fine rings, they would have blended out and blurred if, the, if Saturn was that old. We could go through uh, all the planets. Again, they recently discovered um, that Pluto has features, uh, recent geological features. The bodies of the solar system, I submit, are strong evidence for a young Earth. Okay, let's... Uh, uh, okay, we covered these. Um, and another thing we're not going to talk about is spiral galaxies. <laughs> no. Um, there are uh, billions of spiral galaxies, those arms um, that you see uh, show that the galaxy is young. It's sort of like if, you know, if you're cooking or you're mixing something in, you pour something in, and when you first stir, you get curved lines, right? But if you keep stirring a few times, it all blends together. Anybody had that experience? I hope that analogy makes sense. Well, this galaxy couldn't have been uh, followed the models. It couldn't be billions of years old because uh, you can see the arms there. Um, all those bright dots are blue stars, which shouldn't be there. They should have burned out a long time ago if the galaxy was old. And here's an interesting fact. Um, if you look through telescopes at the farthest part of the universe, 
Um, well, according to Big Bang models, those are, we're looking at baby galaxies in the process of evolving or forming into um, more mature galaxies. Well, those, quote, baby galaxies look fully mature. We see no difference in the shape or content of those galaxies as we go back in time. A fact proven in repeated scientific studies and that totally contradicts all secular models of the creation of the universe. There's one thing I should touch on here while we're talking about astronomy and uh, the question of distant starlight. Okay? So how can we see here today on Earth stars and galaxies that everybody uh, agrees are way out there, okay, that uh, where the light should have taken millions of or billions of years to reach us? And the answer is we don't exactly know. But we do know that time can run slower in some places than others. Uh, that time dilation is a real phenomenon. It comes from uh, Einstein's theory. For example, here at the surface of the Earth, time is running slower than it is in those GPS satellites going around the Earth. And they actually have to correct for that, or your GPS wouldn't work. And if you have enough mass, you can slow time down to basically stop in one place and let it go out in the uh, universe. So, somehow, the, the Bible says God created the heavens and stretched them out. I think that appears several times in the Bible. The, um, the amount of mass to base, that you need to basically stop time at the earth is a lot of mass. It's about 25 times the amount of uh, weight of all the stars in the universe. But interesting enough, secular scientists have concluded that there must be all that other mass out there for other reasons. They call it either um, dark matter or dark energy, if you read any of this stuff. So everybody sort of agrees on the number, um, and it's a puzzlement. But it is possible. Uh, there are models that people are working on where I think when Adam opened his eyes, suddenly God made the heavens appear. All right. Um, I want to talk to you, uh, I think our next slide is uh, Exploding Stars. Uh, one, that, thank you. So has anybody heard of supernovas? It's a big star blows up, creates a light so bright that it outshines the entire rest of the galaxy for a few days. Supernovas are visible in the daytime if they're moderately close to our part of the galaxy. Um, they happen in our galaxy on average about tw every 25 years. We can only see one in five because of uh, dark clouds in our galaxy that block out a lot of the stars. So we should be able to see a, a supernova about every 125 years on average. And supernovas go through, uh, so here's a cloud formed by the explosion of a large star. They go through three stages. And let's look at the next slide, please. Um, so, for the first 300 years, the first stage, um, if we saw one every 125 years or so, we should be able to see two. Well, we actually see five, but it's a small sample size. Um, and 
it's a little different. Okay, for the next stage of supernovas from 300 to 120,000 years, if the universe is old, we should expect to see over 2,300 of, of supernovas in that stage. If the universe is young, 7,000 years, we should expect to see 125 supernova remnants, clouds of gas. And the actual number observed is 200. In the third stage of supernova, the explosion of those stars when they're sort of fading out of view, uh, the old universe theory predicts 5,000, the young universe theory predicts zero, and the observed number is zero. Um, you don't read a lot about this stuff in the papers, do you? <laughs> um, supernovas. All right, let's go on now to um, Noah's flood. So we looked at young Earth, and we, sec, one another point we're talking about is um, Noah's flood. So I was at the uh, British Museum in September. I love the Assyrian stuff, and I got this great book for Christmas. Thank you. Um, and one of the things it's got here is some Assyrian tablets that have the story of Noah's flood. So the author of this book says, well, you know, this is in the Bible. It's also, of course, in the Babylonian Epic of Gilgamesh, which reflects the Bible story amazingly. I mean, birds going out, coming back. Um, and so this author concludes that um, the final analysis is that the uh, Hebrews copied it from the Babylonians, and that's where they got this story. And so I'm reading this, and I'm thinking... What university gave this bozo a college degree? <laughs> I mean, there are stories of the flood worldwide. There's over 300 stories. The issue isn't who copied. The issue is whether it's true or not. There's stories of the flood in China, Babylonia, Wales, Russia, India, the American Indians, Hawaii, Scandinavia, Sumatra, Peru, Polynesia, many other places all over the world. Uh, the Hawaiians have a, a, uh, a memory of a man called Nua, N-U, apostrophe U, Nuu, uh, which I'm told is probably a better pronunciation of the original Hebrew for Noah, that uh, Nuu built a great canoe with animals and survived a global flood. Um, if you look at these stories, they have a... Amazing similarities of the details of the flood. Uh, a favored family told about the flood, get yourself together and build a big boat because of the wickedness of man. Uh, the global flood uh, kills everything else. All over the world, missionaries recently came across a tribe in the backwoods of Amazon, uh, the Amazon in uh, Brazil, that had never been in contact with our civilization, they found they not only had memories of the flood, they had memories of the splitting of languages, the Tower of Babel. Um, it's, uh, and I want to read to you what uh, a man named uh, Josephus says on this subject. Now, Josephus... Uh, lived about 50 years after Jesus. He's one of the great ancient historians. Uh, he must have been a pretty uh, smart and clever guy because he revolted against the Romans and the Romans ultimately let him live. 
And the Romans weren't known for their mercy and kindness, so uh, he must have talked his way out of that one. Um, so about, in his old age, about uh, A.D. 80, he writes in his book, Antiquities of the Jews, now all, I emphasize the word all, the writers of barbarian histories make mention of this flood and this ark, among whom is Barossus the Chaldean, for when he is describing the circumstances of the flood, he basically says uh, people piratized the, uh, the metal in, in the boat to uh, make trinkets out of. And then he says, um, and I'm, I can't really pronounce these names, so please give me uh, some slack. Hieronymus, the Egyptian, also, who wrote the Phoenician Antiquities, and Manses, and a great many more, make mention of the same. Nay, Nicholas of Damascus, in his 96th book. Nicholas of Damascus was the tutor of the children of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra the Great. He actually wrote 144 books of the history of the world, which are almost all lost to us. The point is that Josephus, who had access to wonderful books of the, uh, of the history of the world says that all of them talk about the flood. All. Um, let's go on now to Adam and Eve. And I, hopefully you'll uh, think I've saved the best for last here. Uh, let's start with how could people live a thousand years? Um, we'll get to this slide in a minute, but let's stay on this subject of the thousand years. Okay, so, and this was one of the stumbling blocks that I had when I read Genesis and was a teenager. Well, that's nonsense. People can't live a thousand years. Uh, so Genesis in, isn't true, therefore Christianity isn't true. That was my conclusion as a teenager. Well, we're back now to Josephus, and he says... Let no one, upon comparing the lives of the ancients with our lives and with the few years which we now live, think that what we have said of them is false or make the shortness of our lives at present an argument that neither did they attain so long a duration of life. For those ancients were beloved of God. Skipping a little. Now he says, Now I have witnesses to what I have said. All, emphasizing the word all again, all those who have written antiquities, both among the Greeks and barbarian. Uh, and then he goes on and on and on uh, and gives the name of about 12 prominent ancient historians, all of which say that the ancients lived a thousand years. And then he basically says, well, if you don't believe me, it's your problem. <laughs> so um, it's in the history books. According to Jewish tradition, Adam and Eve had 33 sons and 23 daughters. You could marry your sister back then because the DNA was perfect. Uh, it was only thousands of years later after DNA mutations came into being, um, occurred, that you, couldn't, you didn't want two copies of the same mutation. It could be fatal and God created... Uh, uh, the rule that you should marry your sister. The key point about evolution and the change, particularly now, of people over time 
is that the arrow of evolution is down, not up. Okay? Nothing gets better because of mistakes in our DNA code. We, we have about, every generation we get about 100 mutations on average of the code in our DNA. Now we have like three billion letters, so, and God created a pretty good code, so we're still alive. Um, but it adds up. So the arrow of evolution, and this is uh, John uh, Sanford, a great uh, geneticist at uh, Professor Cornell for 25 years, has written a book about the decline of fitness. So here's a predicted uh, decline of human fitness. Uh, it's believed that we are getting less fit, more genetic diseases, more allergies, et cetera, et cetera, uh, by about 1% per generation. And by the way, we're probably 150 or so generations from Adam and Eve. According to, uh, as I said last time, uh, the third chapter of Luke, Jesus is the 77th uh, generation if Adam is the first. And so I estimate over 2,000 years, maybe another 70 or so generations. So 150 generations out. So here is a scientific chart showing declining fitness, um, which has, uh, can be applied to the fitness of human beings. Uh, now let's go to the next slide. Here's a chart of the lifespans of people following Noah's flood. Uh, so... The Bible gives uh, how long people lived. Um, isn't it interesting that somehow the Bible built an exponential decay curve into these numbers? Um, you know, if you want to see a mutant, look in the mirror. We're all mutants many times over. Many, many times over. And one of the problems that people who think the earth is old have is they can't figure out why we haven't died many times over. Uh, because if there have been thousands of generations, we should have too many mutations. Okay. Um, now let me just mention two other points, I guess, uh, here is this idea that of a flood 5,300 years ago. Um, how many people in Egyptian history or Chinese history or whatever, how many kings are there who uh, are said to live more than 5,000 years ago? Basically none. Isn't that kind of curious? And another thing I find curious is, you know this idea that human beings, uh, well, you know, suddenly the, the uh, monkey turned into a human being 100,000 or so, 200,000 years ago. But then they, people invented agriculture 10,000 years ago. Again, false dating of uh, carbon-14. But So am I supposed to believe that it took... Uh, fully aware human beings 90,000 years to learn how to put a seed in the ground, especially since they were starving to death. I mean, how much sense does that make? I mean, really, when, when you step back, and I know it's hard to step back from the mindset of our culture and everything you read, but when you step back, a lot of what you're told is just nonsense. Um, what else we got here? We have the next, uh, next slide. I want to talk about, thank you. Okay, here's a big word, mitochondrial, mitochondrial, DNA. 
So we not only do we have our regular DNA, but we also have extra DNA in what's called our mitochondria. And these are energy factories, okay? So we have special factories in our cells that produce the energy we need. The, we get, they have only about 16,000 letters of DNA in these energy factories. So DNA, again, is like the instruction book for how to build something, only much, much more complicated. We saw last time it has multiple levels of information, couldn't have arisen by chance. And by the way, nobody has any, uh, secular people have no explanation at all how DNA came about in the first place or how life got started. But now, on this mitochondrial DNA, um, people find that it, the mutation rate in it is about 20 times faster than normal DNA. Um, so, you know, you've heard that, well, the, these human beings developed 100,000 to 200,000 years ago. Divide that number by 20, which they don't do, uh, and you get five to 10,000 years. Sounds like the Bible. So people have looked at this and they've said, well, if the human beings are 50,000 years, we've been around that long, the minimum number of differences we should have in our mitochondrial DNA is 170. And if we've been around for 6,000 years, well, maybe 20 to 79 or so, actual number, 38 to 40. And let's go to the next slide, please. This, to me, is the most amazing slide in all my slides. I love this slide. People have gone around, the whole world collected uh, mitochondrial DNA. You can see, this really shows how nerdy I am that I love this slide. <laughs> and they've collected the, this DNA from our energy factories, which if I didn't mention before, let me say, we only get this DNA from our mothers again. Um, and they've charted it, okay? So you can see, uh, hopefully, I apologize if it's small, that all of the, for all the people on Earth uh, can relate their uh, maternal DNA, their mitochondrial DNA, back to three, one of three individuals. The three daughters of Noah's, three daughter-in-laws of Noah's three sons. All human beings are descended. And this chart shows it. Um, okay. Uh, and let's look at the Y chromosome so you guys, us guys don't feel left out now. We get the Y chromosome only from our fathers. Here is uh, a picture of Y chromosome differences. All men living today are descended from Noah. We don't know where, exactly where Noah is on that chart, but one of those interior points, clearly. Um, somebody has done a study of how the differences, how fast the Y chromosome deter is deteriorating and concluded that uh, Noah probably lived four to 5,000 years ago, according to his study. Again, support for the Bible. All right, uh, so again, I realize that what I'm telling you is contrary to what you read out there. 
Um, so next time you pick up the newspaper, and we all know everything we read in the newspaper is true, right? Next time you pick up the newspaper and it says, oh, people found, uh, uh, you know, burial mounds in Vero Beach from 10,000 years ago or uh, dinosaur bones from 200 million years ago or something, um, you're going to think, well, that Doug sure had some strange ideas, didn't he? So if you really want to get into this, uh, I'd submit that you need to read more and learn more. The um, easiest way to do it is, I think, or one of the greatest ways, is to go to the Institute for Creation Research website, icr.org, and sign up for this magazine, Acts and Facts. I've got a few copies out on the table. Uh, it is free. so, um, And this is a great organization. They're building a discovery center. Uh, in, I got a preview of it outside Dallas. Uh, you can also go to Netflix. There's a movie, Is Genesis History? It's really good. Um, I, they brutally plagiarized the title of my talk, but <laughs> no, I forgive them. Uh, it's a great uh, movie um, about why the earth is young. You can also go to creation.com and, again, find all these articles, and you can sign up for, I think it's like $25 a year for their magazine, Creation Magazine. And I would encourage you to do that because I believe this type of scientific pushback to the nonsense uh, and the, that we read and to the attacks on Christianity is critical. Christianity is declining because people are not fighting back. Okay? We are on the decline because we won't stand up and defend the book of Genesis. <coughs> The book of Genesis is the foundation of the Christian faith. Okay, I think we have a few minutes for questions. Yes? Well, I'm not very good on math, so if you'll help me. Um, you said that the Anthropos were 5,000 years ago. That would make it 3,000, what we would call 3,000 B.C. Mm -hmm. But we know that there were Egyptians and uh, Chaldeans and group people who lived then. Absolutely. So are we saying that Egyptians for the end? No. No. The Neanderthals probably suffered. They were, they were in Europe. Uh, you know, and they were traveling around. Uh, they probably suffered from some vitamin deficiencies. Um, but, uh, yes, they lived at the same time as the ancient Egyptians. So we're really talking 3,000 B.C. I mean, 5,000 yeah. years ago from today. That the flood was. Right. right. And everybody is um, descended from Noah and his family. Exactly. Yes, Raleigh. Didn't you tell us in church uh, Sundays ago that all human DNA goes back to two human beings right. and no further? Yes. Which is when you contemplate it, it staggers your mind to make it yeah. million out of me. Exactly. And that, everybody basically accepts that. Okay? So what they'll tell you, and I, this was in the paper recently, I think, well, you know, isn't it strange that we're all from two human beings? Clearly, the human race must have, uh, you know, must have had some problems. People were starving, but two of them hung on. I mean, but, you know, you're right. Think about it. It's a, it's a scientific fact. Two human beings. Another part. Uh, I read recently a, a theory or a statement that confirms that you're thinking. That was that if you take all the fossil bones, of humans that right. 
you can get them into a semi-large <coughs> Right. And if humans have been coming for hundreds of thousands of years, there have to be millions of bones all over right. the world. Right, But they've just found so few. Right, and they find, they find like a tiny piece of bone and then they make up this theory because every person who finds a piece of bone wants to get his name in the history books. So he creates a new type of human being that supposedly lived, you know, or, or, or ate variation. And it's all fantasy. And then they don't let other scientists typically examine those bones. I mean, the fraud going on in that area is amazing. Yes? How about black holes? Now, is there such a thing as an old star that would collapse in and itself and create black holes? I think black holes are real, yeah. But exactly how God did the time away from the earth, I don't understand. Um, but I think they're real, yes. Questions? Okay, it's 15, oh, one more, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, does the Genesis apply that prior to the flood, is there been a rain on the earth and there was a layer of water in the atmosphere that... I think some people think that, yeah, and I think there's support. It, there are, I, there's so much I haven't been able to get into, which is why I encourage you to read more. But um, God changed the laws of physics at the flood, just as he changed the laws of physics at the fall. When he cursed the earth, he added the second law of thermodynamics, the law of decay and, and destruction that we're all subject to. But, yes, it's believed that before the flood, um, uh, it did not rain and that uh, plants were watered from below. It was also believed there was more oxygen in the atmosphere, so the gardens and forests would have been enormous that created the coal beds and the oil fields that we see today. Thank you very much for coming.